Joining us live in the studio right now is the Northern Territory Fire and Rescue Services Chief Fire Officer for the Territory, Mark Spain. Good morning to you. Good morning, Katie. Good now, morning, listeners. Um, Spainy, we don't usually have a, uh, a fire theme to the show, but it has been for the last half hour or so. We caught up with uh, with the head nurse uh, at Royal Darwin Hospital talking about those burns and, and the increase in the number of burns that they've seen at Royal Darwin Hospital over the last year or so um, when people are obviously doing the burn-offs out on their blocks of land. Something that you guys would, you know, constantly be dealing with is staying safe around fire. Um, but yeah, it was good to catch up with her and sort of hear a little bit more about what they need to do or what people need to do first aid wise. You know, yep. in terms of keeping themselves uh, safe. Now, out in the rural area, um, we did get an email that came through yesterday um, about the situation, they say, where there's currently a shortage of operational managers, uh, which has led to recently closing of Humpty Doo Fire Station on a few occasions, um, and and a claim that the current workers, uh, current managers are working up to 90 hours a week. Um, Spaney, is this the case? Has there been a situation at different times where there's been a shortage at the Humpty Doo fire station? Yeah, that's correct, Katie. I've actually had to close the fire station there um, twice, and only twice, yeah. and both of those times were either in the wet season and or on the shoulder of the wet season. We had The second one was just after a really good rain as we headed into the dry, so I had to make that decision to manage my staff and their fatigue, uh, so I just redeployed the firefighters to other stations for that period of time. Now, understanding that it was also mentioned that, you know, that... that uh, Humpty Doo Station is open from Monday to Friday, including yep. public holidays, from 8 o'clock in the morning to 1800 or 6 o'clock at night, and that's staffed. But then after hours, we have our fabulous volunteers, and also even during the day, we have our volunteers who are based at Humpty Doo as well. Uh, that station's not fit for purpose for a 24-hour station. It's, it was designed for those periods of time. And even when we do have fire band days, uh, I'll actually have extra staff located at Humpty Doo as required. And so, Spaney, um, if there is a fire after those hours or, or, you know, on those two occasions where the stations had to be closed down or shut for um, those two occasions, what happens? Are you able to, to deploy people from different locations or what do you do? Yeah, look, all my around Darwin and Palmston, we have what they call emergency response areas where I have those fire stations. And we have Darwin, Palmston, Marara. And Berrima, and of course Humpty Doo Monday to Friday. So when Humpty Doo's not there, we'll dispatch Palmerston, and that leads into you know I was out with Minister Madison and Minister Lawler the other day, yep. looking at the progression of the Palmerston uh, regional complex, and that's coming on really well, and that's strategically placed to to better respond mm-hmm. uh, in those times. But once again, um, after those hours. I've got my Humpty Doo volunteers. They are ever-ready batteries. They just keep going and going and going, as do my other three brigades out there, Virginia Bees Creek, Kilpinya and Howard Springs. They they are they need the real big plug. They are sensational workers. Uh, we're in their fire season now, yep. as has been mentioned, and they turn up day in, day out for long hours a day. So uh, they're unsung heroes, as per my volunteers and that up and down the highway. I have 27 locations across the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. Some are manned career personnel, others majority from my volunteers. So, so by the sounds of it, job. what you're saying is that, you know, even if there is a situation on the rare occasion that the station isn't open, that there is volunteers and that there are also other, um, you know, other people who are able to be deployed out should there be an emergency involving a fire. That's right. Well, if you have a look at uh, Palmerston got mentioned the other day, it's mm-hmm. uh, over 32,000 people now. It's its own satellite city and it has been for a while. We've seen the growth in, in high-rise. So what will happen is if I 
dispatch Palmerston into the Humpty Doo area after hours uh, that are supported by volunteers. Now, mind you, volunteers aren't road crash trained or hazardous awareness yeah. trained, but they they will assist. Um, but what it will happen is then I'll recall into the stations that are vacant. Could it mean, though, a delay in one of those emergency situations, i.e. a fire or, as you've touched on there, a car crash? Yeah, th- that's what we run with at the moment, Katie. So yep. uh, it's my job at the end of the day over the next couple of years is to to work forward with the executive that I've got, and I've only had them in place since January this year, is to present to government you know, the growth. Uh, we're a city, we're close to, we're big city assets, uh, big tall buildings. And if you compare that to Ballarat or Bendigo, you know, I've got 34-storey buildings. Bendigo has two-storey buildings. Yep. Uh, we have a port. We have a, um, a military base. We have high-volume aircraft flying over Darwin. Uh, shipping, we've got railway. And that. And then in the dry season, we have a massive influx of our grey nomads and younger people now because of the COVID situation. So yep. we do have a swelling of that. So I've got to collect all that data, and that's what we've been doing over the last six to 12 months, and present those cases. Are we ready? Um, you know, and let's put it forward and see, knowing that we're also competing with police, uh, what they have to put up with, uh, health and education. You know, they're on the news all the time. So... Um, we're in a good position. I only have finite resources, and those finite resources are utilised into dangerous situations, being grass fires and or structure fires or hazmat or road crash. Uh, It's up to me to be able to manage those resources within my capability. Now, I do want to ask you, we know that August 29 is now the date when uh, we will be allowed to let off fireworks as part of those Territory Day celebrations. What's going to happen if there is a fire ban? Are people still allowed to let off their fireworks? No, not at all. If there's a fire ban, uh, and that's that's evidence-based through the bomb uh, and then through bushfires and myself, if there is a fire ban, there'll be no lighting of any fireworks that's deemed as a fire uh, or ignition source, and there's no to be no open ignition sources. So we came close to it a couple of years ago on July 1st. Uh, there's some peric- horrific uh, wind conditions come through, so we yep. had a fire ban. That got pulled at uh, 1,800 hours or 6 o'clock um, through that, and then the fireworks were able to go ahead. But at the end of the day, if it's a total, if it's a fire ban, uh, you won't be able to light your fireworks. Yeah, goodness me, there'll be people listening who are concerned by that. Um, is the likelihood, like at that time of the year, at the end of August, do we have, is a fire ban, you know, is it something that we see a bit of? We we monitor it closely, Katie. We've had mm. two already as of Sunday and Monday. Yep. So, the, but we expect this is known sort of uh, weather conditions that come through the dry to the through the top end. But nevertheless, uh, if the fireworks go ahead, uh, like I do every fireworks, I will have enhanced crews on there. My volunteers uh, chomp at the bit to assist their communities, uh, which they do regularly. So, and that's across the territory. And then um, we'll deal with anything that pops up accordingly. Yeah. So no matter what, you guys will be ready for it. Absolutely. And with our 12 recruits uh, coming out on the 12th of August, they will be certainly chomping at the bit, hopefully, to be working that night. Is it a pretty tough course for those recruits to get through? I got told that uh, becoming a fiery is pretty difficult. Yeah, In I terms of the fitness and what you've got to do, it's yeah. pretty hard, isn't it? I, it is. It's a four-month process to get selected, and yep. then it's a further four months uh, through the initial recruit training, and then you've got another t- uh, 18 months of getting all your skills consolidated through that. Yeah, so, right. As you can imagine, uh, we don't do a lot of writing, but we have a lot of lot of big trucks to play with, uh, a lot of tools to play with. So you've got to get all that together and all the, all the incidents that we go to, whether it be, as I said, hazardous materials, whether yep. it be a structure fire, wildfire, road crash, shipping, 
whatever we have to get called to, that's what we need to be prepared for. Well, Mark Spain, it's always good to catch up with you, the Northern Territory's Chief Fire Officer. We'll no doubt talk to you again very soon. Thanks very much, Katie. Thank, Thank you. you.